Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we are your co-hosts. So today, I'm going to be covering dandelions, small but mighty, and the goddess Isis. And I'm going to be talking all things Beltane, speaking of dandelions. Uh, and I'm also going to be digging up some truly bizarre fertility magic in our QWP section. Uh, but first, I actually wanted to mark a big milestone that passed recently for Shannon and I. Our 26th episode came out on the 16th, so we've officially passed six months of our weekly podcast, and uh, very exciting, and congratulations to us, and I'm having a sip of beer to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, I am really proud of us. It is like, it's a big commitment to do this every week and some weeks it's harder than others as i'm sure people can imagine and i am proud of us like it's the type of commitment that you know it's always it's always more work than you think it's going to be but it's also super rewarding yeah and it's honestly very fun to do like i didn't even realize it had already been six whole months <laughs> yeah yeah it goes fast it goes well, really I mean, fast the thing about that though is we really, you know, should have thought about it because we started on Samhain. Yeah. So since we have, like, the Sabbaths as as our, like, month markers, basically, um, here we are at a different Sabbath. Yeah. And it's, it's half a year later. Funny how that works out. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been quite the six months, but... I know there's been lots of stuff going on in our lives, too. Like, I just came in from gardening all day. I took out a bush. Yeah, uh, you, you took out a bush. I took out a like bush. bush murderer. I am a bush murderer, but I replaced it with lots of, like, grow bags full of vegetables. I have, like, three different types of tomatoes, and I have string beans and eggplant and melon and lots of different peppers um, and of course, some like calendula, and I'm going to be growing some echinacea um, and chamomile and lavender, things I can use to make teas and tinctures. I was going to say, it's like you got the, the, all the herbal teas. You got, you got something minty in there? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I have regular mint um, and I have spearmint. So I have both of those already that are pretty well established. And then, of course, I already have like sage and rosemary right, and, right, right. you know, my pineapple sage that I'm obsessed with. and Which... Y'all, okay, I did get the opportunity to smell Shannon's pineapple sage when I was in Los Angeles. And it is not a joke that it smells like a ripe pineapple. Yeah. Yeah, it smells I, so I, good. I was not I was not expecting it to smell so strongly of pineapple. Yeah, yeah, like identical. It's really really remarkable. Um but yeah, so it's it's nice now that we're recording literally right before we got on, I just took my like intense shower because I was like coated in dirt and sweat and grime. Because of course it's like, I chose today to finish and it's like 88 is the high, which is very hot for LA. Like normally, you know, this time of year, we're not getting quite up there. So it's like, of course, I was you know what's crazy it is it was day. like 50 degrees in Austin this morning. Yeah, that's yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's like we're getting the cold weather. Y'all are y'all have our warm weather. Um, we can trade back though. I I'm honestly we, over wearing a coat. Yeah, we will soon. <laughs> Don't worry. It's like tomorrow the high is down to 82, and then by like Tuesday and Wednesday we're back down into like the low 70s and 60s, which I'm 
much more equipped for. I'm just, I wasn't emotionally ready for like close to 90 degree weather. Cause that just normally doesn't happen here until like August or September. Like I those are the hot months out here. Feel like that's a good time to move on because I have a lot to say on that subject. Um, <laughs> Right. But anyway, so it has been really like, nice. Oh, I'm it's feeling... almost 90 degrees. What a heat <sighs> wave. Get I mean, over it. Well, but it's also what you're used to. I'm not <laughs> used to it. I'm not. My body was like, what the fuck? Um, but I am like freshly cleaned and there's nothing quite as refreshing as like the shower when you've been doing like really intense gardening work all day. Oh, sure. So I and you've got course... the You've got the finger brush in your I bathroom. Did. I know. Yeah, I got after I got up under my nails. My nails are all like squeaky clean underneath them now. I thought of you when I used it. I was like, yep, I get a lot of use out of this thing. Um, and yeah, now I just I feel like a new person. I've been reborn and I'm just like chugging water. So that's been my very um my very like granny day. I just spent all day gardening. But it's hard work. It's hard work. Yeah, it- it is. I mean, you know, grandmas should be com- grandmas everywhere should be commended for the amount of gardening they do. They should, man. That's like it's exhausting. Like I'm going to be sore tomorrow, especially from cutting down that bush. But anyway, so that was my that was my day. I know you're just coming off of brunch, but have you got any like fun other projects or anything you've been working on? Um, well, I mean, you know, something I don't think that we really touched on enough was that I have a bunch of lovely new plants on my patio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We haven't really talked about it much since you've been back home. Um, Everyone's doing super great. The Hoya cutting that you sent me seems to be turning a little yellow, though. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, And then we the polka dot plant, that one died like the first day. And so, I, I mean, we really have to kind of like give a shout out to TSA for completely taking apart my carefully wrapped and very tiny and delicate plants that i had um and was bringing on the airplane with me despite the fact that they don't have to do that and it just pisses me off that he was like telling you that as he was unwrapping everything yeah i mean he was like this is obviously not like hazardous material but so apparently the thing was with those pots there was not a hole big enough and so this is where we kind of missed the mark um for our packaging uh, on some of those like really little pots, the hole wasn't big enough to get a Q-tip in. Oh, I wouldn't have thought that they were that small, but I guess they were like just slightly too small. Oh, was the God. thing? Okay, well, um, so like for my next snake time, plant but... did not have to get unwrapped because he was able to stick the little testing Q-tip up in there. Yeah, okay. from the bottom. Well, hey, hot mm-hmm. tip. Apparently, hot. Very hot tip. Um, if you are going to wrap a plant for traveling, make sure there's a hole in the bottom big enough for a Q-tip. And maybe they will not destroy your plants. But yeah. everyone else is doing really good. My, um, what is it, the Chinese money plant? Yeah, your Pilea peperomioides. And my other um, pepper peperomia? Yeah, you've got a peperomia frost and a peperomia mini frost, I think, is the other one. Yeah, the like purple one. Yeah um got a little droopy but uh she came back she came back um and everyone else is doing great and looking good and it's nice to have like because i mean i think everyone who listens will remember that a lot of my stuff died during the 
winter Armageddon that we had. Yeah, um, snowpocalypse. Actually, a lo- by a lot of, I mean all of. Or was that 2021? <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Yeah, yeah, oh 2021. That was February. So. What is time? What is time anymore? Right. So that's that's nice. Um, and Faye is just getting so big, Aww. but not so big. I think she's going to be kind of a petite cat, actually. Yeah, she seems like a small lady. Oh, yeah. And you got to meet Hexus. You got to spend so much snuggle time with Hexus while you were here. Oh, my God. And I'm honestly kind of jealous because Faye is very much the mystery kitty. Um, and it, you never can tell when she's going to want to cuddle or play or just boop you on the forehead and run away again. <laughs> Yeah, um, Hexus is like a very people-oriented cat. Like mm-hmm. he always wants to be in your lap or be like snuggled up to you. Um, he's just, I mean, he's just really affectionate. And I find that boy cats tend to be like that more than girl cats. See, and I I knew that to be the case, but I still have never had a girl cat. And I was like, well. No fair. I think it's I think that there's just like there's so much to appreciate about both types of cats. Because also she's very much my cat, though. Like, Oliver will hang out with anyone in the room if they're giving him attention. Yeah. Yeah. Hex is the same way. But Faye is like, will never give me attention. But even then, the small amount of attention she does give me, she not get not going anywhere else. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's all yours, baby. It's all mine. Don't you feel so special does- when that light shines on you? Mm-hmm. Like just a little bit, and it's always just like a little bit in the morning. Oh. And sometimes I'll just be like watching TV, and she'll like show up at my elbow for like literally five seconds, though, Aww. and be like, and then run away. <laughs> you you get a chirp this morning. Enjoy. <laughs> Love it. her. Oh my um, god. But okay, so it's a great time of year. It is. Things are like coming to life. There's hummingbirds all over the place. I came home the other day and there was a hummingbird flitting around my front porch and I've never been so ecstatic. Um, And I've been texting you about the birds that I've been seeing. Yes, yes, yes. Did you ever figure out if it was, um, oh gosh, some kind of war, it was Grace's warbler or something else. Yeah, I thought it might have been a yellow-breasted chat. I think it was probably a warbler, but... I didn't get close enough. Like I couldn't see close enough to it, but I have decided, and this is another hot tip that I learned on a podcast I was listening to recently as research for this actually. So I've been wanting to get some binoculars, right? For bird watching because I'm a hundred years old, but I found out that binoculars are really cool for more than one thing though, because if you get a nice pair of binoculars, you can also flip them around and look through it backwards to use as like a magnifying lens for your plants to check for pests whoa so it's like a twofer that just blew my mind a little bit right me too i that's what that's what happens when you listen to podcasts by like older people who have been doing this stuff for generations they have cool like analog like tricks yeah i also though my grandpa r.i.p um had so many different pairs of binoculars like they really are very useful they are but yeah, so it's like, this is such a magical time of year. So yeah, y'all, so Beltane is May 1st. And I think at the time of this episode coming out, what, it's like the 24th? Let's see, yeah. So I think it'll come out on the 23rd. The 23rd. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. You wow, know. Nick, you're fired. 
the, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's a beautiful spring day. I'm a little distracted. Um, That's fair. No, I get it. I get it. My brain is like mushy from being out in the sun all day. Right, right, right. But no. So it's literally next week at the time everyone is listening. <laughs> I mean, I'm we're over here. It's the Sunday before. So I don't I right. do people know that that we record the Sunday before the episode comes out? Well, we're recording on Sunday the 18th. So if you didn't know, now you know. We almost you know. always record on Sundays. And then once in a while we have to switch to Monday and then Nick and I both feel like zombies because it feels so strange. <laughs> uh yeah, it does feel a little weird to do it on Monday. Yeah. Um and then but, my okay, whole so week be- feels weird. But anyway. But no, so Beltane is next week for all of y'all in the future. Um and you, you could call it May Day if you're British, um, but it is one of the four uh, Celtic or Gaelic seasonal holidays celebrated by modern pagans, along with Samhain, Imbolc, and Lunasa. Yep. Woof woof. So this will be our, our third one. <laughs> um, once we get to Lunasa, though, we should do something something nice. Yeah, um, and I figured we'd, we'll probably just, like, revisit Samhain because we'll have had a year under our belt and we'll be able to talk about new things. But anyway. Exactly. May uh, but one, it is tra- May Day. It is traditionally celebrated on May 1st because it falls roughly halfway between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. And, I mean, I kind of like that. It's very tidy, you know. Yeah. You don't have to, to check your 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 moon charts or your actually with this specifically it's this your your sun charts uh to figure out exactly when it is you know it's just like yeah it's may 1st yeah, close enough it's right ballpark it, it's the the energy is there the energy is there um but this is also traditionally the same day that walpurgisnacht is celebrated in germany and many other places um and i would say it's very similar flavor uh and actually, with the fires and everything, almost identical. They also sometimes do a maypole. But <laughs> so it's valid. different because it's got a German name. Or is it? Because it's Walpurgisnacht. Walpurgisnacht. Uh, but okay, but in Gaelic, though, the language, Beltane literally translates to Bell's fire. But who in the heck is Bell? Well, Bel, or Belenus, uh, was the Celtic god of fire and the sun. So who better to celebrate at the beginning of summer? Although, and I think, you know, this is kind of an interesting one for me, is that a lot of the celebrations kind of center around, like, a May queen. Mm-hmm. Kind of being, like, the central character of the celebration. So... I mean, to me, there's somewhat of like a little disconnect between, you know, saying that it's like based on a a Celtic god of like fire and the sun. And then it's like we're sort of celebrating this very feminine kind of fertility energy. So it's almost like um, someone's been cut out of the equation. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. And depending on the I mean, depending on the tradition, too, some people see it as like the god and goddess of like the wild hunt like you know take over for the dark half of the year and sometimes one of the changeovers could happen at beltane there's like that's the fun part about being a modern pagan where for so long so much of this was oral tradition Mm -hmm. yeah and so but also um 
actually one of my best resources for this was like a BBC radio article. Uh, so I'm going to kind of throw that in there as well. But like really Beltane has a lot of, I mean, cause we kind of talked about this with green man. There's a lot that's kind of been synthesized from little bits and pieces that were kind of like left over from Beltane, like old Beltane. Yeah. Um, that have like somewhat survived continuously in like certain parts of like the UK, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, whatever. Um, and then sort of we've kind of like as modern pagans like taken that plus our stuff, which is all about nature as well, but kind of in like our own way and sort of synthesized like a new Beltane. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because it's like, the four fire holidays and the equinoxes were not celebrated by the same people. Right. So yeah, it's like, that's, I think one of my favorite parts about paganism is like, we yeah, have the it, like magic of retrospect. It's retrospect, but also it's kind of like building your own calendar, like yeah. what resonates with you. Yeah. Um, but so I did, I kind of wanted to talk about like old Beltane uh, and kind of follow it through into sort of what we do um so like in the historical sort of celtic version of beltane the focus was on the all-important farming calendar farming well slash ranching i think technically as well uh but and being the beginning of summer it's all about fertility in general uh fertility of the land your animals uh, but also i mean you know people um so this was the time when cattle would be sent out to graze in the summer pastures and rituals would be performed to protect the cattle the crops and the people and to encourage growth and abundance in all of those areas uh so it's pretty obvious how one might go about encouraging crops and animals to be fruitful uh i mean i guess maybe we're both from the country you know uh if you fertilize your field and um you know feed your animals well and give them the space they need things will happen right but um how how would this apply to people and in a word courtship so this is like a big courting holiday and there's not a lot of those out there you know i mean certainly you could meet anyone at any time. And as long as you were, you know, following society's conventions about propriety, um, you know, there, it, 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 there weren't certain times of years that you could and could not court. But this is really like the, the big Sabbath and like the big sort of wheel of the year festival where it's like courtship is front and center as far as, you know, of course, you want to protect your crops and encourage the fertility of the summer season, but you, that kind of spills over into like you—you you kind of this is a time to encourage romance. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's no coincidence that everything associated with this holiday is like it's like dicks and vaginas everywhere. <laughs> right, um, and and it does take place in like the warm heart of the very 
Venusian tourist season, which is oh, like yeah. l- you know late spring. Uh, Everyone's getting horny, man. Tis the season right. and, for horniness. And it's like, this is the perfect time to encourage a little hanky-panky and get some, like, marriages and pregnancies out of it. Uh, yeah. And, like, couples were definitely encouraged to spend the day picking flowers together and share a promenade around the the maypole. Doesn't that sound fucking romantic? It does. I love that. Um, okay, so another very traditional Beltane ritual involved drinking water from sacred wells, which sounds refreshing as fuck, to be sure. But it does kind of invoke like the agricultural aspect of the holiday as well. Um, so like wells, of course, being the main source of water for crops. You know, it's like you're nourishing yourself with sacred water. Um, but I think, and this one I thought was kind of funny, but so, and it water based Beltane tradition from Celtic Beltane, um, dousing yourself in morning dew for youth and beauty, which, uh, if anyone is from somewhere where you get dew in the mornings, I mean, it does happen in Texas occasionally, uh, it just kind of sticks to the grass. So I'm just imagining like, you know when you let a dog out in the morning and there's morning dew and they kind of like roll around in it? Yeah. And they get all kind of wet. From, I'm just, just like imagine they're just I'm just like imagining these like maidens like rolling around in the grass like a dog trying to get the, the morning dew all over them. Because um, how do you collect that? I mean, you know, these are the questions that you, you want to ask someone from that time. It's like, so you're saying morning dew. How does one go about collecting enough morning dew uh, for any kind of practical application? Uh, I, I'm like very carefully. I don't are, know. I'm, it seems hard. I, this is a legitimate question I have. Well, so I think, if any. <laughs> well, one thing that I do know that makes it easier is depending on where the dew is collected. Like if you have plants that have like bigger leaves, then mm-hmm. it can, you shake like, some off in there too. Like you can kind of like cup up the leaf around it. Right, um, right, right. But something else you could also think about is like even taking something like a sponge or something and kind of like going over the top of the dirt, you know, or the grass oh, without yeah, like yeah, any yeah. of the dirt and like wringing it out. So those are just a couple of ideas, but I'm sure there are like traditional. Just off the top of your head, too, you know, like Shannon might as well be an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no. After. After trying to figure out how the fuck to cut down this bush, I feel very unengineer like today. <laughs> but uh, that is a story for another time. <laughs> oh, although, you know, Shannon, and I don't want to be this guy, but maybe you need to hear this. Um, you can get a landscaping machete. Oh, I know. No, I really want one, but I can't justify it. Unfortunately. I was going to say, at like Home Depot, though, you can get one for like 20 bucks. Yeah, I borrowed a handsaw from a friend. That's a similar vibe. Um, but not also as cool though. I mean, you know, you pro the the machete is like machete. I'm saying that word so weird. Machete is like it's like it's a sword, and that just makes anything more fun. I know it is really <laughs> cool, but that's um, it's a bit of a. I spent a lot of fucking time with a bush over the last couple of days, so I apologize. It's very front of mind. I keep rabbit trailing to this goddamn thing. 
Um, <laughs> uh, well, you know, speaking of that Bush, um, well, kind of the, Bush, if we're talking about Beltane, everything's about Bush and Dick, so. Right, right, right. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, the, uh, yeah, the May Bush. Yeah. Um, so, actually, I didn't write about the May Bush, um, because, I mean, it's like, it's, it's very casually mentioned. I did look up a picture of one, though. Um, so, you can decorate a bush with flowers and, like, reeds and you know sort of natural pretty shit um and sort of like an it's almost like an outdoor christmas tree was yeah. kind of like they're kind of you like don't... i i like people sometimes call them like wishing trees or like fairy trees mm-hmm. um, i like that fairy tree seems like 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 the vibe yeah because you put the cute. flowers in and yeah, because like hawthorns are the traditional tree that these would be done with. But like I could imagine like in the south or once mine gets bigger, like a crepe myrtle could be really cute because then it's like flowering. Like it's already flowering. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Anyway. And you could like make little garland of flowers. Yes. Yes. Um, but the main attraction, though, I mean, a, a may bush is very pretty, <laughs> but uh, you got to have the fire. Light it all on fire. Beltane. I mean, you literally cannot name a holiday Bell's Fire without there being like a very heavy fire element. Uh, and as something of a fire bug myself, <laughs> I am a double fire sign. Um, That's like the I, understatement of the year, but continue. <laughs> uh, I I do absolutely adore celebrating this Sabbath, especially because it's like the big part of it is the bonfire. Um, but so in old, old school Beltane, there was like specific rules about how to do the bonfire correctly. So it had to be somewhere very ostentatious, like the top of a hill or like a plateau. Um, so you could see it from the like entire surrounding area. Like it's got to be visible to yeah. everyone. Like we're having a, f- fucking bonfire and everyone needs to know about this thing okay um but also so it seems like good luck or like a blessing for your relationship to jump through the flames of the fire people would also do this with their livestock uh like and like conceive of a way to like jump their livestock through a beltane fire which sounds dangerous it does well but the the fire jumping too with like couples is cute because a lot of people would do like hand fasting this Mm, time of mm -hmm. year which i think is such a cool tradition where basically it's kind of like an engagement almost like you get to spend a year together and then if things don't work out you just go your separate ways it's not like a full marriage but it's still a kind of commitment to each other um and beltane was like the perfect time to do that i i actually i i had read about that when i was kind of going through my stuff for this and sort of the vibe with some of those was that yeah it didn't count as a real marriage but you could make it real at the end of the sort of trial period yeah exactly it's like you have a year and then after that year you have the option essentially it's like do you want to like go all in or do you want to like go your separate ways and both are totally cool right um but I mean, it would, it's very romantic. It is. And, you yeah. know, if, you, if you're 
having a promenade around the maypole and getting flowers to decorate your house and lots of people getting laid in the woods i imagine lots of people getting laid in the woods you know it's it's just it's a season for sweethearts i mean this really this should have been the holiday that the american slash hallmark industry picked up on instead of valence saint valentine's day yeah i think it's too spicy though I think Christians would be so scared because this is like really about like fucking kind yeah, of Yeah, well, I mean, it's really about like fucking. Um, <laughs> but I mean, at this point. I know. I is mean, that, you're right. They're just fucking, they're weirdos, man. The they're, weather is way better anyway. It is. So, Everyone feels uh, cuter when it's like a little warm out, I think. like. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not true. I personally feel a little cuter when it's like warm out and like the flowers are out. I don't know. To me, that just feels like it feels like a sexier time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very much so. And I feel like, you know, it's like you're comfy. You know, it's like when it's cold, everyone's like kind of hunched up, even if you're wearing a coat. Yeah. It's like if your body's relaxed, like the shapes of a relaxed body are very different than the shapes of a tense body. And... And Nick's you should, getting himself worked up. You should just get, um, you know, just be pretty. Be <laughs> everyone, pretty. everyone is pretty. Just like lean into your own pretty. Lean into it. Fall yeah. in love with something about yourself. Bonus points if it's something weird about yourself that society mm. tells you isn't cool. Fall in love with that because that's mm. hot. That's mm-hmm. sexy. So, but we're talking about we're talking about the I mean we keep we keep I mean literally though could it be a more perfect spring day it's like this is all I want to talk about but we're talking about the fire so they would have this big bonfire people would jump through it you know they'd pass their goats over it and uh then so the thing is though you would bring some of it home so during these like bonfire festivals you would let your hearth fire go out or douse it and then relight it using a piece of the flame from the bonfire from the festival. It feels like so so old school Zelda. Like there's like a challenge where you have to like light the torch and before the torch goes out, you have to light your fire at home. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to, a chest Um, is going to appear in your living room when you do this. And then, Inside of the chest, there's a fairy, and she gives you coins. Um, exactly. <laughs> obviously. But no, no. But you had to bring some of it home and, like, relight your hearth fire with it. Um, so, like, as modern witches, unfortunately, many of us live here in the U.S., where there is no official religion, yet all of the work holidays are Christian or American. Right. Uh, and... So we sadly often miss out on like a day long Beltane festival, but you know, I kind of wanted to look at ways that like we can make the most of it. So I kind of talked about if you're in Edinburgh, Scotland or County Cork, Ireland, there are survive quote unquote surviving. I mean, the, the accepted facts are that there's been some kind of festival in these places almost continuously and they have you know the may queen and the green man and the costume drama where the green man uh changes out of his winter costume into his like summer costume um i mean it's a a montage mood 
these like yes costume there's dramas. a it, yes and you know and they will have the maypole and the bonfire and people dress up to attend to the may queen and uh it's a whole thing you know so if you can go to one of those yeah and I also mean, this, this year we're also lucky because for the first time and i think it's been a couple of years maybe i'm wrong but i feel like it's been a minute um it is on a saturday this year which is great which for, is very nice yeah, yeah, yeah people that have like nine to fives um but yeah so i mean if you are in either of those areas and can make it out to that i mean but also you know they say a lot of the pagans in the uk call that like a sec- secular beltane because it's uh kind of just more of like a like a public festival and it gets kind of rowdy and you can drink there you know so it's not I mean, you probably could drink at old school Beltane, but I don't know who, who's got the stick up their butt about that. But yeah, I feel um, like different strokes for different folks. But also, I feel like that's part of something we kind of talked about. We've talked about before where it's like this weird sanitization of pagan mm-hmm. practices where it's like, you know, they weren't all just like sober, high on like the sunshine chanting in circles, right? Like, I mean, and it's also like it's it's paganism it's not the southern baptist church i think uh if anything we we all deserve to have a little fun with our religion yeah debauchery is like part of the thing with a lot of sabbaths part of it yes um and i i think it's a good part of it i think it's Probably the most recognizably human part of yeah, it. Yeah, you know? work hard, play hard. It's like there's harvest festivals because you've worked your ass off. Right. Like, fucking play a little bit. And so, yeah, it's like they have these costume dramas. They have the maypole. Definitely check one out if you can. Um, but that's out of reach for most of us. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, bring it, bring it into your personal world. And we wanted to talk about some things that are even more accessible than than going to a, to a public one. Um, so I would say, and this is a big one, decorating your altar with a simple garland of yellow flowers. And I think dandelions would work extremely well here um, because we are past the part of spring where the bees need them. Yeah. Bees have other things they can use and like the yellow color really represents the fire and the sun which is sort of like the very very ancient origin of this sabbat um and also i mean it's really something that's very easy to get i mean for me (laughs) i mean but also you know i i haven't just been to texas i mean i did just go to la and it's like you can get dandelions in a lot of places. Oh yeah, don't worry. We're going to talk about how fucking prolific dandelions are. And dandelions are easy to They're pick. not endangered. You know, the stem part's not going to mess your hand up. The leaves can be a little uh rough around the edges sometimes, but like Depending if you're on, making a garland. Well, but this time of year the leaves are not too full of latex yet. So this time of year they should still be relatively like you know, soft and stuff still too. Right. And so, you know, I was kind of saying, make a little garland. It's very easy to do. I mean, obviously, if you're doing it with fresh flowers, it's not going to look as nice after a couple of days. But, you know, you can just do it with a, with a sewing needle. 
Yeah, that's the circle and of life, man. Fresh flowers. Some very simple thread. Make a little garland, you know, space them out. If you've only got a few, you space them out a lot. If you got a lot, you don't have to space them out so much. Think about if you ever did that old school thing where you um put the popcorn on a string for your Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Very similar vibe. You know, make a little garland out of uh, dandelions for your altar. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned in our Green Man segment, which will have been last week for everyone listening, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's a beautiful spring day. I'm very distracted. <laughs> um, so, but this is a great time of year for hiking and nature walks. Uh, and we can celebrate the return of summer's abundance simply by actively appreciating it. And while there might not be a ceremonial well at the end of your walk, uh, you can pretend there is anyway. Because, you know, the whole thing with the ceremonial wells was about uh, pilgrimage and sort of appreciating the landscape. I mean, you can do that. There doesn't have to be a ceremonial well at the end. Um, But also, you know, sort of while you're out, though, in the woods, I think honey would be a great offering to any of the sort of local spirits in the spirit of the Sabbath, if that was something that you felt was appropriate to uh, take with you. I mean, I'm sure there's a nice little spot out there. You know the one. Um, So yeah, you know, maybe leave a little honey. Um, But also, and this is, I think, one... That's maybe fun for, I, I'm sure that we have some witches out there that listen, that have kids, and really anything can be a maypole if you have birthday streamers and enough people to walk in a circle, you know? Yeah. Um, I also just love maypoles, and I wanted to take this opportunity to see, you know, if any listeners see one or do one this year, uh, please, please, please send a picture so that I can live vicariously through you. Um, but also, you can have your very own Beltane bonfire and pass your goats over it and jump through it, uh, which I very much, uh, you know, disclaimer, you know, um, Ones and Fronds podcast does not endorse unsafe uses of outdoor fire, but to celebrate and if you can be responsible i absolutely encourage people to do it <laughs> um do you think that was enough of a disclaimer shannon i you know <laughs> i think so i mean everyone that listens to this is responsible for their own business so right um but i'm i encourage you to do it and yeah. but you know in light of the fact that most of us do not have a hearth fire at home in 2021. Uh, one of the things I saw that I really, really loved um, was that you can still symbolically bring a piece of your bonfire in by lighting a candle with it and you bring it inside and just let it burn out from there. Mm. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, if you're one of those people that worries about an unattended candle, you could set it on a bowl of water. Um, but I mean, if it's just a taper candle, those burn for like an hour and a half anyway. So yeah, just be, just be safe. Just be safe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I, I kind of like that, you know, cause it's like, I don't even have a fireplace. So if I wanted 
to even like light a fire inside with like a piece of my bonfire. I certainly could not. Um, so I like the candle idea. I like the candle idea a lot. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot too. Um, but so this is also because of like the the fertility vibe of the Sabbath. Um, it's like a good time to like bless the fertility of your garden, your yard, or even your house plants. Hello, Wands and Fronds, the the podcast where we talk about witchcraft, house plans, and more. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, obviously you never want to like over fertilize any of your plants, but if if some of them need love, this would be a great day to do it. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's a lot harder to over fertilize if you're using natural fertilizers. So, you know, maybe you make yourself like make a good like worm casting tea or something like mm, that to water them yes. with. You know, like like a treat. You know how you, you yeah. sometimes you give your cat a treat, you give them your little piece of salmon skin or whatever. Yeah. Not bad for them. Treat. Give your, but it's a little treat. Give them a little treat today. You know, and and it's not even just to say, just to like tie in the houseplant aspect of our podcast. It's like literally doing something like that is very much like a meditation on the the fertility aspect of the season. Oh, 100%. And like, very, it's like very much like a literal representation of it. So like, I, I don't think you could be more literal than like fertilizing your plants today. Um so show everyone some love. Um, but so this would also be a great time to perform any spells you've been thinking of doing for uh, attracting a partner or strengthening your relationships in general. Since, again, this celebration has very big Venusian energy uh, and like the same with things involving like human fertility, like trying to have a baby, uh, like the timing really could not be better. Um but we're actually going to talk about that just a little bit more in QWP. So I don't want to like go off on that full side street yet. Um, but I did kind of want to talk about this though. And I feel like I'm shoehorning it in, like kind of talking about Beltane, but, uh, and also like real witch, real life shout out. My friend Gabriella is actually having her wedding on Beltane. Oh, that's so good. Uh, and like, literally, I think that's beautiful. Uh, and they are going to have a bonfire supposedly and jump through it. And I'm very jealous and congratulations, Gabriella and Max for getting married on Beltane. Um, y'all are better than everyone. <laughs> so, uh, but also, but you know, kind of like thinking about like the wedding and, and, and kind of all that. It's like, this is definitely like a day to feel pretty as well so like a lot a lot a lot of like what went into old school beltane and like a lot of what has kind of become our version of beltane is kind of the aesthetics you know it's like this is not me you know because i'm always the first one to be like oh well you know i sometimes i have a hard time taking which is seriously when they focus too much on the aesthetics right yeah. Um, because it's like, oh, well, you know, but it's like, it's kind of more about like the knowledge or, you know, but it's like, but this is, is like a peak spring day. Yeah. You know, 
it's May Day. Yeah, it's like everything is in flower, including yourself. So it's yeah. like definitely a day to like feel pretty it's while you're doing. It's a great day for some glamour magic. For glamour magic, yes. Like all of these like very like Venusian things. Yeah. But also I was going to say it's like like wearing your like floral prints or like flowy dresses from the Renaissance Festival. And I know for a fact that... Lots of people listening to this have a flowy dress that they wear to the Renaissance Festival. Like, this is the day to get that kind of stuff out, you know? Like, wear your flower crown. Oh, like, yeah. I just also, like, I just bought a new, like, flowy gray dress that I'm 100% going to, like, wear on May Day on Beltane. Getting all, like, fairy Renaissance. Like, it's a mood. Yes. And, you know, it's like... Like, buy flowers for your house. I mean, like, do a dandelion garland for your altar. But, like, buy some flowers for your house. Like, when you're at the grocery store, like, you better be buying some, like, $4 hydrangeas from HEV or something. Because, like, you deserve it. Your house deserves it. It's spring. It's going to set the mood. Put one in your hair. You are the May Queen now. You are the literally. May Queen. And and might I suggest also this is a great day to do like, you know, opening up all of the windows and like letting in mm. the fresh summer air and doing that type of like house cleansing. You know, it's like because it's less about banishing bad and more about letting in the good energy of the season. Yes. And it's like like revel in it. Enjoy yeah. it. Like Oh, it's like, it's like, honestly, one of my, it's like literally my birthday was recently. So I always love this time of year, but it's like literally this time of year. Yeah. It's great. Um, But I mean, but it's like all in that to say, it's like, those are ways that you can kind of like reflect the spirit of the Sabbath. Um, And then, you know, it's like any magic that you want to do that day. Obviously, it's a good day to do it. But I also think Beltane is very much about enjoyment. Um, so, you know, it's like the fertility aspect is kind of like something to take seriously. But, I mean, fertility, I mean, you you have to have sex to get pregnant. And that's enjoyable. So, I mean, even that, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's like, it's an enjoyment holiday. It's a cel- celebratory holiday. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't take things too seriously today. Because, you know, what, no, you know, and it's like, if it really, like, the old school Beltane is so much about fucking. Like, no one, no one wants to fuck when you're being all serious. So. Yeah, yeah that's not fun. No one's <laughs> having a good fun. time then. Yeah. It's, it's. It's, it's to have a good time. I'm um for sure. I'm rewatching the nanny, and I imagine that's how Cece Babcock has sex. Like very unfun. Very unfun. Be Fran Fine, don't be Cece Babcock. Oh my god! And I I love that we watched the first two episodes while I was there, and y'all are still like deep diving into it. Oh yeah, we're in season two now. We're going hard. Um, so we kind of touched on it, uh, just a tiny little bit. I'm kidding. We touched on it a lot. When we were talking about Beltane. But for our QWP this week, 
I we wanted to talk about uh kind of like the dark side of fertility magic. Um yeah. <laughs> and, because we just like mentioned it so much. And so I think the most important thing that we actually have to say is that if fertility magic is something that you're interested in, you absolutely need your partner's consent to even try magic relating to fertility and in no way do shannon or myself condone doing otherwise nope it's really 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 not okay really 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 super not okay um you definitely need to at least have agreed that you're trying for a pregnancy and even then you can't do magic on the other person without their express permission yeah and it's like, of course, Nick and I understand, and I just want to be super clear. We're not talking about accidents. We know that oopsies happen, all of that. This is just like if you're intentionally trying to get pregnant. It's very important that both of you are in on that conversation. Right. And yeah, uh, I mean, everything else aside, that that should be part of the conversation. Um, yeah. Also, like, but, I mean, weird to be in a relationship where you maybe wouldn't talk about something that big. I think that should take some reevaluation if that's a concern anyway <laughs> also a, uh, like a baby should never be a surprise <laughs> no uh, surprise babies that aren't, tends uh... to not go well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh but, but okay but this is meant to be a fun segment and in that spirit i would like to share one of the weirder things i came across in my search for some questionable fertility magic uh a, a coloring book about it um which yes i haven't read the actual like spells or crafts or anything in the book because i i i'm not trying to get pregnant um i mean i almost thought about buying it though because it's not that much uh but i'm not talking about uh, the spells inside of it no 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 but but the idea of making it a coloring book just seemed bizarre and kind of cool and um I, just for anyone out there that's interested because literally I laughed out loud when I saw this. It's called Coloring Book. How to Become Pregnant by Using Wiccan Fertility Spells of Magic. Yeah, it's a it's a doozy. Not which is funny. I mean, and I don't want to call anyone out for the grammar of this, but it's uh not Wiccan Fertility Spells and Magic. Wiccan Fertility Spells of Magic, which yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I also just like that it's called Coloring Book. Colon. Coloring Book. Yeah, and it says it in very big coloring, and it's like, okay, uh, very delightful. <laughs> it's, um, it's kind of silly and kind of fun, and if it works for people, it works, but it is it is very funny. Um, But okay, so, and ever since Yahoo Answers went down, RIP Rip, to what must man. have been like, the treasure trove of qwp uh and like but, countless um, hours of just entertainment on the internet true but um so now i'm kind of when i'm looking at stuff like this i'm looking at a lot of the um the pinterest boards where people are like trying to collect spells for things um i came across a spell calling on literally generically dark forces as part of a fertility spell yeah, no, thank you. Please keep your dark forces away from my womb. 
big yikes, right? Yeah, like what the fuck? Um, generic dark forces are never generic good. dark forces. That sounds like that is, and then to be calling on them to help you get pregnant. It's like this is how you get possessed. That's literally how you end up with Rosemary's baby. Right? I'm sure of it. Can we not? Um, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> uh, big yikes. Big huge yikes. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to like something a little more serious, a lot of the fertility spells that are out there for people uh, are involved using sex as part of the magic. Which is great and fun. Which is great and fun. And obviously your partner probably needs to be in on it. Um, but a lot of it, I feel like they have to be involved in it. So it's kind of one of those where it's like, I, I do kind of struggle to see a lot of these uh, scenarios where someone could be unaware that the other person is trying to do a spell. Yeah, um, yeah. Some of them are, they're pretty intricate, some of them. Right. Uh, and then you fuck. Right. Or yeah. like you fuck as part of it, but there's like other intricate things going on. So it's kind of like, you know, good luck hiding that. Um, but still, you know, don't do sex magic with someone without their consent either. Uh, yeah, it's not cool. Fertility or otherwise. Um, but so on a related note with this, though, one that I saw quite a few times was like different spells that people had written to try to influence like the gender of a baby. And I don't know why. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Like, I no. feel like, like, yeah, you know, it's like if you're a couple and you're trying really hard to have a baby and you want to, you know, use some of your witchcraft to help you along the way, I think that's great. And, you know, 100% go for it. But that feels weird. Yeah. And I, I'm yeah. almost certain that everyone that was like writing those in their book of shadows is like American people for some reason. Yeah, I don't like that because it's like gender and genitalia are not the same thing. Uh huh. And it seems weird to like get real specific about the type of genitals you want your infant to have. Right. Because that's um, what you're doing. You can't decide that you're having a girl, but you can, you know, I guess in this, you'd be wishing or working on having a baby with a vagina. And it's like, why are you thinking about your kid's junk that much, weirdo? Yeah, I just, I, you know, I was like, hmm. Yeah, no, gender is a construct. Hmm. Don't put yeah. your shit on other people. Especially unborn babies. Yeah. That just seems weird that yeah. seemed weird I don't like, like it. questionable like i feel like that truly sits in the wheelhouse of questionable questionable magical practice yeah. don't try to don't try to pick the gender of your unborn child that just it just seems weird and wrong it i don't is. know it I, is. Don't know. <laughs> I don't like it i don't like it i don't i didn't care for it well uh so that brings us to dandelions yes. which could not be more of an icon for the season i know like anytime i think about like spring going into summer like that sort of changing of the seasons i always just think about dandelions like i'm sure like so many people i have a lot of super strong memories associated with these from like being a kid you know like rubbing the petals between my fingers to turn them like that really beautiful shade of yellow or like blowing the seeds all over the yard you know all of the different like you know, make a wish, blow on the dandelion puff. Like, you mm -hmm. know, they're just 
they're so special and they do grow all over the place. But I just want to like, before we get into this, like a very quick caveat, like you have to be very careful when harvesting things, um, especially wild foraging, because like there's like a super prevalent use of pesticides. So you need to really avoid gathering from areas that you aren't familiar with. But also you need to be more than 30 feet away from the side of a road if you're foraging something that you intend to eat because there's like lead has leached into these soils from when there was lead in gasoline and like pollution and runoff from cars. So it's like there are a lot of things to consider when you're thinking about where to harvest. And I just I really felt the need to like put this in up at the front because dandelions are so ubiquitous and all over the place. But like you still have to be so careful with like where you're getting them from so um, <laughs> kind of kind of as like a like a little caveat to that um yeah again if you're planning on ingesting them in any way the roadside ones are perfectly fine for your garland <laughs> well yes and no depending on what type of sensitivities you have though because that's like, fair some people do have more like sensitivities to those chemicals but but just like be careful be very careful, especially if you're going to consume stuff. But um, also if you're someone that has like skin sensitivities. Um, but anyway, these are just like huge medicinal powerhouses, though. And of course, they have like so much diversity for use in your magic craft. So, you know, let's just jump right in. And I have to start by letting you guys know this is yet again a member of the Asteraceae family, uh, that sunflower family. It's very large and includes a lot of things that we use in magic and herbalism. And the name dandelion actually comes from the French dent de lion or lion's tooth, which I think is super cute. Uh, and that's because the leaves and the petals have serrated edges that do look kind of like teeth. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here going into how to cultivate dandelions uh, or as they are officially called Taraxicum officinale because these are what are known as pioneer plants. You know, they produce a ton of seeds that are easily dispersed and can grow just about anywhere that's getting sun. The seeds can actually travel for up to five miles from that cute little puffball. And again, another tangent here, but I feel like dandelions bring up so much stuff. Like, I have to say that we here at Wands and Fronds 100% do not condone the use of aesthetic pesticides. Uh, and it is estimated that nearly 7 million birds are killed every year by aesthetic pesticides. And that's like pesticides for lawns, not pesticides associated with agriculture. And if you have a yard and you you don't want dandelions for some reason, you can naturally eliminate them by just allowing the grass to get three to four inches tall because they literally cannot grow without the sun. So all you have to do is let your grass go, grow a little longer than like the national average. So but they can travel like up to five miles from that little puff, which I think is awesome. And they are native to Eurasia, but they were actually brought to the U.S. by early European settlers because they use the plants for things like food and medicine and dyes. And it might be surprising, but it's it's actually not hugely common for like every part of a plant to be super useful. But for dandelions, they are. It's like you can use the greens, the flowers and the roots, and they all have some like amazing health properties and medicinal properties. So, you know, the greens are rich in vitamin A, B, C, E, and K. They also have a lot of iron, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. They actually have more vitamin C than uh, a serving of tomatoes. Like they're incredibly healthy. 
there's a lot of polyphenols in the leaves that help fight inflammation in your body. And you can cook the leaves as you would any other greens or enjoy the young early leaves raw in salads. But like really April or May is like the cutoff for being able to eat them raw because as they mature, they produce more latex in the leaves and that's what makes them like more bitter. So just like, you know, April, May, you can eat them raw. After that, just like cook them down like you would cook collard greens. The the flowers, the vibrant yellow flowers, uh, people use them to make dandelion wine. You can infuse vinegars and oils and honey. You can also use them to make tea. Or I love the idea of like pulling the petals off, like because the, the green parts are too bitter for this purpose. But you can pull the petals off and use them in desserts, like cookies and cakes and frostings for like a beautiful like pop of yellow. So maybe oh, some treats. like a natural sprinkle almost. Yeah. So maybe some treats for your Beltane celebration. Hmm. And the root is also amazing. Like dandelion root looks kind of like beige carrots, and they can grow up to fifteen feet long cheapest i know it just like totally blew my fucking dick off when i heard that i was like excuse me 15 feet i mean if a carrot was 15 feet long that'd be crazy too but a dandelion root yeah 15 feet um but the the roots are a particularly good source of fiber and you can eat them fresh or use them to make a tea or dry them for future use and if you're drying them, you just want to like chop them up into smaller pieces when they're fresh and then dry them. That's like the, the easier way to go. And the plant has been used as an herbal medicine to treat wide ranging conditions, like everything from stomach and liver complaints to diabetes, heart problems, anemia, respiratory ailments, consumption, uh, otherwise known as tuberculosis, uh, toothache, broken bones and sprains, sore eyes, cuts and nervousness. And I heard a great theory as to why early on dandelion became a catch-all. And some people think it is because of like the really high vitamin content. So, you know, historically it was really common for people to have illnesses and even die because of vitamin deficiencies, like think scurvy, which is something we don't have in modern times, really. So a plant like- Right, right, right. Because people- uh actually eat enough vegetables <laughs> right so you know something like dandelion where it's like so incredibly filled with vitamins could actually like cure almost all of what ails you in a lot of cases especially back then um as a member though of the asteraceae family if you're someone that's allergic to like daisies and sunflowers you are going to want to be cautious since it's in that family so just like you know we're not doctors we're not here to like tell you what to do with your body just like be careful. Um, but with that said, they are just like incredibly useful plants. So they have a lot of common names. And one of my favorites is piss the bed. And that's because of its really strong diuretic properties. Um, it used to be like kind of an old wives tale. People would like tell kids like not to pick dandelion greens after a certain time at night because it would make them wet the bed. And some scientists do believe that the dandelion's diuretic properties might have like medical uses that include the treatment of like pre-diabetes or even like premenstrual bloating and water retention. So in 2009, there was a study that was overseen by the National Institutes of Health, and they found that a single dose of dandelion extract increased the frequency of urination, but not the volume in the 28 volunteers within five hours of a dose. So they were just like going more frequently because um, they were able to like really flush out all of the, you know, all of the water that they were retaining. And that's like 
it's hugely important for some conditions. And dried dandelion root can be ground into a paste and mixed with water to create like a super soothing paste for skin disorders, things like acne, eczema, psoriasis, rashes, and boils. Think of anything really inflammatory. Um, and that's because they do have really strong anti-inflammatory and anti-puritic, uh, which means like anti-itching properties. And research also suggests that they could help prevent sun damage. And this was like totally news to me. And I thought it was fascinating. Um, a 2015 study from Canada actually reported that dandelion ex uh, extracts are able to block harmful ultraviolet B or UVB radiation when applied to the skin, protecting it from sun damage while also lowering the risk of skin cancer. So it's, wow. I know these plants are so fucking cool. And it's crazy that so many people just like, kill them uh anyway dandelion root is believed to also have anti-diabetic properties um due to a soluble fiber known as inulin and inulin contains a complex carbohydrate that's known as um fructooligosaccharide or fos which supports the growth of healthy bacteria in your gi tract and it eliminates the unhealthy ones and this alone increases inulin sensitivity by slowing the flow of sugar from the intestines to the bloodstreams which prevents spikes in either your blood sugar or your insulin levels. And a 2016 review of studies from uh, Aarhus University in Denmark suggests that dandelion extract also stimulates pancreatic cells to produce insulin, better controlling like blood sugar and avoiding hypoglycemia, which, you know, it's like the, that alone would be something that I feel like would make this a miracle plant, but it, you know, it can also be consumed to cleanse the liver. So a 2010 study published in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology reported that mice fed a dandelion root extract experienced a significant slowing of the progression of liver scarring or fibrosis compared to mice given a placebo. And according to the research, the extract was able to inactivate the primary cells involved in fibrosis, which are called hep uh, hepatic stellate cells. Um, of course, you know, things like hepatitis can cause severe liver damage. So doing this all but lifted the oxidative stress on the liver, like allowing the liver to heal and slowly regenerate. So it's like more research is needed, but this could be really promising for things like liver damage related to alcoholism um, or even, you know, things like hepatitis. So preliminary research has also suggested that dandelion root may have like really promising anti-cancer um, effects. It does so by actually inducing apoptosis, which is known as like programmed cell death in certain cancer cells. So apoptosis affects all of the cells in the body. And that's what allows like old cells to die and be replaced with new ones. But with cancer, apoptosis stops happening, which is why like the tumor cells grow unimpeded, right? They're just like growing and the cells aren't dying off. And then a 2012 study from the University of Windsor in Canada reported that dandelion root extract was able to induce apoptosis in pancreatic and prostate cancer cells in test tube studies, either slowing their growth or preventing their spread. And a lot of uh, several later studies have shown that different dandelion root extracts were able to trigger apoptosis in leukemia and melanoma as well. That's that's such a broad range of cancers. I mean, you would think that maybe it would be um, related ones, but jeebs. Yeah, dandelions are magical as fuck. And so my personal favorite way, though, is to use it as a digestive tonic. And like, this is going to be a TMI moment, but like, I have pretty severe IBS. Like for a long time, it caused a lot of issues 
in my life. Things are better now that I'm older, but I drink roasted dandelion root tea like pretty frequently and it helps significantly with my symptoms. Like dandelion root is a really versatile bitter herb and it aids your entire GI tract. Um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, it helps enhance the health of the liver and the liver produces bile that's like essential for proper functioning of your digestive tract. So if you're somebody that has any sort of digestive issues, you know, of course, always talk to your doctor first, but dandelion root tea could be something that would be helpful for you. And, and it's important to note, like with herbalism, and this is why you do really need to like talk to your doctors um, if you are planning to start taking herbs. Herbalism isn't like modern pharmacology in the sense that for the most part with herbalism, you have to like take them for a sustained, regular, long period of time for them to be effective. They're not like sort of a, a one sh a one shot, like, you know, you take it once and then it fixes everything. It has to like build up in your system, um, which is like a great thing because it can often like fix underlying imbalances. But the flip side to that is like if you're on other medications, it's really important that you're careful that they don't have any like negative interactions with each other. So, right. Yeah, get your get your doctor in on it. Uh, if that's at all possible. Yeah, sure. yeah. If that's something that you are interested in, I just really want to encourage people to like, be careful because I, you know, this stuff is amazing and plants are super helpful, but they are also still like actual medicine. <laughs> so, you know, you can't just like throw them in willy nilly, you know, you wouldn't just randomly start taking medications. So it's, it's kind of the same thing here. So now that we've... But you know what's funny though is... And I don't want to give too much away, but I give a little shout out later on in the tarot scope about Virgos having um, upset tummies. Oh, yeah. All the time. Yep. Uh, and that's, I mean, Virgo does rule the stomach. Yep, the gut. Um, the gut. And uh, you're, you're really living living up to that. I am. I am. But honestly, dandelion root tea has helped a lot. Plus, like chamomile tea is also really great for digestion if you are a person that suffers from any sort of gi issues so i also just love chamomile yes. and do you ever do i i know you do because you do the cold herbal teas in your fridge but do you ever do just straight up chamomile like that i have yeah i've done well i did a chamomile lavender like that but um oh sure yeah i i love making cold herbal teas when nick was here i made like, like a slippery elm herbal tea that we had cold because you know it's i like having cold herbal teas because i like cold tea i grew up in the south iced tea is a thing and so mm -hmm. for me like iced herbal tea is a very natural extension of that um yes it, and so if you're someone who like maybe having a cold beverage you're more likely to drink it and you're trying to get some herbal teas in maybe think about just making it cold it doesn't always have to be hot no one it doesn't there's no, no. Rules you can there. make it hot and then chill it exactly <laughs> So now that we've talked about how this plant is like insanely amazing at so much stuff, now we're going to get into the magic part, right? Because this is still like a magic podcast. So, mm, you know, mm, dandelion mm, is a masculine plant. It's associated with Jupiter. I've also seen it tied to Mercury and of course the element air, which makes so much sense when you think about blowing on those cute little puff balls. Um, and it's also associated with the goddess Hecate. And this plant is like really great, of course, for like divination, wishes, psychic work. Uh, you know, think about all the things you did with them as a kid and like the folklore around them. And I think that makes such good sense. Like 
you know, the old, the old folklore where if you blew on the head of a dandelion, you know, puffball, however many like seeds were left is how many years you had left to live. That's one of my favorites. Um, but they're also great for like cleansing and healing, which aligns perfectly with all of its badass, like medical properties. So I love the way though, Cindy Brannon describes the plant in entering Hecate's garden. So she points out that like Hecate, the dandelion can actually represent the three worlds and like our three selves. So the roots are that underworld energy. The golden flower is reaching towards the upper world. And then the stalk and the leaves represent like the middle world or the world of our actions. And so it does have like this like trio, you know, we always see like all of the threes, you know, um, mm, we see this mm-hmm. triple energy a lot in magic. And the dandelion has a lot of that like, triple energy and so cindy brandon has this great spell that i wanted to share with you guys um it's a reality check spell which i think really works well with the powers of the dandelion root so it's like number one it's very healing and i think that often when we have unrealistic expectations either of ourselves or of others you know there's frequently some emotional healing that needs to happen around that those Unrealistic expectations don't come from nowhere. Um, But because it also can help with things like psychic work, you know, it's really like the perfect plant to work with on a spell like this. So for this reality check spell, what you're going to want is like fresh dandelion or the dried plant material, a paper, a pen, a yellow candle, and a yellow bag. And because of what we'll do with it uh, later, I would suggest getting like a paper bag here, something that can, you know, break down. And you can also just like rub some fresh dandelion on it to give it a yellow hue. So you're going to start by like casting your circle, sit inside, and then make a list of the unrealistic expectations that you're wanting to work on. So then you're going to place the dandelion and the list in the bag, light the candle, and then you're going to place this like newly created talisman in front of it. And you're going to envision your expectations transforming by the light of the candle. So these unrealistic expectations are going to transform into things that are based in reality and are more realistic. So once the candle has burned out, you're going to close your circle and carry the talisman with you. If it's a bigger candle, you can continue to light the candle daily until you feel like the transmutation is complete. But I often do spells like this with birthday candles because they're smaller. I don't have to leave them burning unattended. So I don't necessarily think that you need to continue lighting a candle. I think that you can just do the mental work if that's something that is more in line with your practice. And then once you feel like this transmutation has like finalized, I suggest like burying the talisman at a crossroads. It's like, you know, I think... Once a spell is done, you need to find a way to release it because the talisman this, this will keep very, working. This very big he- Hecate energy. Yeah, exactly. Like Hecate rules the crossroads. Um, and you can use dandelion like as an offering to Hecate. So maybe that dandelion wreath that you put on your altar, if you work with Hecate, it can both honor Beltane and be a great offering to her. Um, drinking dandelion root tea after sp- spiritual work is also said to help like bring your body, spirit, and mind like back into synchrony. And, you know, it's also just, it's a great thing to do if you're planning on like some meditation. So because it does help with like sort of your psychic powers, 
you can drink a little bit of the tea, you know, before you go into your meditation and then like drink it after you're done sort of as like a bookend. I think it's, it's just so versatile. There's so many ways you can use it. Um, so the sources I've used today are verywellhealth.com, um, an herbal diary podcast, the nature guys podcast, eatweeds.co.uk, gardeningknowhow.com, Cutting Hands Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, and of course, uh, Entering Hecate's Garden by Cindy Brannan. So now that we uh, just like talked about Hecate, we're going to move on to another like powerhouse goddess. And I am so excited to talk about Isis. Um, Isis is an Egyptian goddess, but she's known as the goddess of magic and nature and is also seen as a fertility goddess. And so for so many reasons. Also, ma- ma- magic is nature. <laughs> yes, they are. They're very much the same. Um, and she's also one of the first goddesses that I felt personally called to me when I was very early in my craft. And that makes like makes so much sense with her story. And as a mourner, you know, she's a principal deity and a lot of rites connected with the dead. As a magical healer, she was seen to cure the sick and brought the deceased back to life. And as a mother, she's like seen as a role model for, you know, all mothers and I would say all parents. So Isis was initially like an obscure goddess who didn't have her own dedicated temples, but she grew in importance as the dynastic age progressed until she became one of the most important deities of ancient Egypt. And her cult subsequently spread throughout the Roman Empire, and Isis was worshipped everywhere from like England to Afghanistan. So she has this huge legacy. But her story is also, I think, I mean, it's fascinating. Her story is really fascinating. So in the beginning, you know, we have the creator god, Ra, and he created himself out of nothing per the Egyptian lore. And, you know, he eventually ended up creating children to keep him company. And so his daughter was the sky goddess and he saw her work some really powerful magic. And he became worried that his daughter would eventually have a child that was more powerful than him who would take his throne. So he forbade her from ever having children on any day of the year. So through some clever trickery, um, Newt created new days with her husband, who is the earth god, Geb, and they gave birth to Isis, Osiris, Set, and Nephthys. So when Osiris was born, it was said that like an unknown voice cried out that a child was born who would one day become the god of all. Does that sound familiar to any stories that we were told about a certain baby who was born when we were growing up? A, ba- a baby who was born who would end up becoming God? Right. Um, but this is, it's important to know a bit about Osiris here just because um, in classic fashion, uh, Osiris and Isis married. So in a lot of, you know, old lore about gods, it's not uncommon for siblings to marry. But Isis and Osiris married and he did go on to become the king of Egypt. And the great thing about Isis and Osiris is they are like, a power couple so they had this like insane love for humans which is something that you don't see a lot with deities and they just they ached for them when they were in pain and they worked together to like usher in an era of like peace and prosperity for the people of egypt you know there's if you dig into into egyptian like god and goddess lore like raw before you know he was basically overthrown by isis for osiris to take over um he didn't like that people didn't worship him the right way so he would do things like you know burn them with the sun and like all of these like horrible mean things 
So then when Isis and Osiris come in to become like the king and then his queen, and they're doing these things for the people, like Osiris is said to have been the one to teach people how to like cultivate wheat. You know, it's like to have it go from like a God who's like literally torturing people because they don't worship him the right way. Yeah, like he's like the little kid with the uh, the magnifying glass, exactly. like burning people. Yeah, and then you have Osiris and Isis, who are like beloved. So, like, hey, you want to know how to grow some wheat, right? And he also <laughs> allegedly taught them how to uh, how to turn wheat into beer. And then one of the things that Isis is credited with is like the creation of the first sex toy. So you know. They were giving us dildos all- and beer. Yeah. All the goods came from them. Wow. There's also an incident at one point that's like just kind of important where her sister Neptis uh, tricked Osiris into sleeping with her. And that's where Anubis came from was like the child of Osiris and Neptis. Um, but eventually, anyway, Osiris and Isis like wanted to take these like lessons of like harvesting grain and like medicine because Isis was like, a baller with medicine, of course, you know, working with nature and plants so much. Um, they wanted to like share it with everyone though, like not just the Egyptians. So of course, Osiris sets out to like make that shit happen. And Osiris and Isis were apart for 10 whole years during that time. But of course, it is not a deity story without a good dose of drama. And Set, their brother, was incredibly jealous and hatched a plot to kill Osiris. And Set was a god of chaos and disorder. So, of course, he, like, wasn't thrilled that Osiris and Isis had ushered in this, like, beautiful era of, like, peace and prosperity and happiness. So Osiris, you know, is off gallivanting around the world, like, bringing beer and dildos to everyone. And then when he finally comes home, he's a little bit confused, but Set welcomes him and, like, embraces him and is like, come on, brother, like, I threw you this welcome home party, like... Your people oh, want to very, celebrate you. Very suspicious. I'm very suspicious of this. Right. And as part of this, he had this like beautiful, ornate golden box that no one had ever seen before. And he said that whoever fit perfectly inside would win the game in a prize. And so, of course, <laughs> everyone at the party gets into this box and it doesn't fit any of them because it was made exactly to the measurements of Osiris. And so, of course, Osiris gets in. And Set traps him in this decorated wooden chest, which he coated in lead and then threw into the Nile. And this is where we get the tradition of the sarcophagus, though. Um, This is like the first sarcophagus uh, allegedly came when Set built it to trap Osiris. So with his brother vanished, Set becomes king of Egypt and a new era of chaos and unhappiness takes hold. But Isis could not forget Osiris. Like, these are this is a god and a goddess who have like deep burning love for each other and so she searched everywhere for him until she eventually found his body so she is basically going up and down the nile like searching everywhere to see where this chest could have like gone to and in the city of biblos she finds out there's this huge tree that sprung up around the chest that washed ashore and it turns out that the king of Byblos had taken the tree and chest inside and used it as a pillar in his home. So Isis is like, okay, I gotta like get back the body of my love. So she takes the form of a young girl and through some cunning, basically manages to secure uh, a job as the tutor of the young prince 
so she could get closer uh, to the family and eventually be able to like get Osiris's body back. But she came to love the boy and she wanted to keep him with her and train him as a magician. You know, her and Osiris hadn't had children at that point. And she was like, well, you know, if I can train him as a magician, then he can overthrow Set and it will be everything will be groovy. So she performs this rite to make him immortal, which involved lighting him on fire to burn away his mortality. Uh, and the mother, his the queen, his mother walks in and sees her son on fire and freaks the fuck out of course and when that happens isis like in a fit of like confusion and startle being startled reveals herself as a goddess and of course the queen is like fuck i'm so sorry you can have whatever you want and so isis of course takes the pillar that has osiris's body in it and the prince with her so even though the prince couldn't be immortal now because the spell had been interrupted she still did want to teach him how to be a magician and you know she loved him and it's unfortunate because on the travel back to Egypt, the prince ends up dying tragically when in her grief and rage, thinking about Set and all of the horrible things he had done, uh, you know, basically the prince like kind of like came up behind her to check on her while she was weeping. And she turned around and in her like intense grief and rage, she looked upon the boy with like a fierceness that killed him. So, wow. Whoops. Okay. No, that that's like the ultimate resting bitch phase though, no. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. It's intense. It straight up killed a boy. Um so, of course, she finally manages to bring Osiris's body back to Egypt. And then, you know, Set discovered the chest and he was furious. So, he hacked his brother into pieces and then scattered them like far and wide. And so, you know, Isis transforms into a bird uh, and she's helped by her sister Nephthys to basically go around and discover and reunite all of parts of her dead husband's body. Uh, but only his penis was missing. And it said that it was eaten by a fish, which is why Egyptians later did not eat that specific type of fish. So, um, but using her magical powers, she was able to make Osiris whole. He was bandaged and neither living nor dead, but he had essentially become a mummy. But when that happened, they got it on and she bore a son who was the falcon-headed Horus. So Osiris at that point, you know, his body had been reformed. She had made him a new magic dick. So his body was essentially whole and his spirit could move on into the afterworld. And Osiris realized like the afterworld needed a ruler. And that's where he comes in. And he works really closely with his uh, son that we mentioned earlier, Anubis. And his work his is like illegitimate son. Yes, he's a legitimate son, but not with his wife. It, a son by treachery. <laughs> um, but Anubis and him work really close together. And there's, you know, there's plenty of love. There's not any love lost between him and his uh, father. But so that's why I just wanted to point out Anubis was his kid. Oh, no, no, no. I, illegitimate in that. Um... You know, it was the the trickery with the sister. Yes, so much trickery, so much cruelness. Not cool. Not not Anubis's fault. No, 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 no. It's not his fault. But you know, what is it? Nephthys. Nephthys. Yeah. Nep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, tricky bitch. She is, but Anubis <laughs> is like a real solid dude. So he actually helped protect Isis and Horus um, because she hid with him in the marshes of the Nile Delta until he was fully grown and could avenge his father and, of course, claim his rightful throne because Horus does, you know, by the rules, that was his throne. So 
there's this huge battle between Set and Horus that lasts like for a long time. And they eventually get down to the final battle where they transform into hippopotamuses and they battle underwater. And so days go by and Isis is worried that her son has drowned. So she fashioned a hook and pulled him out from under the water. And when he came up, he was furious because he had almost conquered Set. But one of the things that Isis is like very known for is being a goddess of like compassion and love. And because Set was also, you know, Isis's brother, she took pity on him and decided to set him free if he would like agree to give up the throne for Horus. Horus, who has been raised his entire life to avenge his father's death, is enraged and ends up beheading his mother. He beheads Isis in his rage, um, which was later reversed by magic. Um, And eventually, you know, Isis and Horus are reconciled and Horus was able to take the throne of Egypt. Horus is known as the first um, pharaoh of, of Egypt as well. So Isis is a badass like this she's an amazing woman like she's great for work related to like healing mother wounds mourning healing yourself or those that you love connecting to past lives and she can even aid you if you're going through like the grief over the passing of a loved one and you can invoke her through meditation and visualization which is how like i first interacted with isis isis was like the first goddess that i had strong interactions with through like a meditation practice. Uh, She really loves offerings of milk, honey, and flowers. She's also associated with like myrrh and vervain and bloodstone. So you can add these as your, um, as a way to honor her on your altar. She's also associated with water and the moon. So you could call on her to like bless moon water. If you're going to be using that for one of these, like, for a spell that's in her area of expertise, that would be like incredibly powerful. Um, I, I, you know, I'm feeling like Isis has this uh, cancer energy. Yeah, yeah, she does have like very like water cancerian energy. Well, when you mentioned like the mother wound earlier, and then you were saying that it's water in the moon, I was like, wow. Yeah, that is big Cancerian energy. That is very, what is it? Um, Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, well, all that's left is, so my sources, I used um, EgyptianWitchcraft.com, Femigod.com, and there's a podcast that's just called like Mythology. It's through the Parcast Network, and they have a really fun two-part like dramatization of the Isis and Osiris saga. That's very entertaining. So I highly recommend it. That sounds very cool and fun. Yeah. Um, so honestly, uh, Myths and Monsters was like my Netflix binge recently <laughs> and, and many other times before that. But um, I really wish they had like a longer form version of that because like the, the little professor dude they have that hosts it. I'm like, just do every myth. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, But, okay. So, I think that brings us... We're very, very close to the bitter end here, people. And it's this week's Terrascope. And, boy. um, I texted you last night, Shannon, because I did the classic uh, random number generator to figure out which sign we were going to do the taroscope for um and i figured also since um 
when this one would be coming out that it would be very, very close to tourist season. So it might be time to put the dragon tarot away personally, um, at least for a minute. And uh, so I use my Marseille deck and um, well, gosh, uh, so it's for Virgos, um, <laughs> which is Shannon, but also my roommate uh, as well. And um, oh, gosh. Well, I mean, the, the, I'm just going to say it. the card was death in the upright position, if that matters to you. I mean, it does matter. It matters to me. Too, and I have but... to say, I personally love the death card. So. Continue. Yes. And so, uh, but before like all of you Virgos out there do that very Virgo thing where you like overanalyze everything and give yourself a stomach ache from spending too much time on WebMD, perhaps like just take a deep breath. Uh, because while it is true that occasionally, very, very occasionally, the death card does represent an actual death, uh, most of the time it represents some kind of big change yeah um and like that's the thing that we can't really skirt around you know it's like it doesn't necessarily mean a death but it does mean some kind of big change death is a gateway to something new um and i mean that's really how i would hope that everyone can look at it um but it's not going to be something, like, insignificant. So this is going to be, like, a, a move or a career change or a relationship ending <laughs> or, like, a change of lifestyle or, like a, like, a realization about who you are as a person. But, like, something is ending. Yeah. I for just, you. I have to say, Nick, like, when I saw that you drew it, I didn't want to, like, talk to you about it until we were on the podcast because it's... um. It's very on point for what I'm going through right now. And it's just like full disclosure, I have been working really hard and talking to friends and trying to figure out how I can move into having like a career doing things with like plants and herbalism and finding a way that I can like transition out of the type of job I've had for 12 years. I have worked in fundraising for 12 years and I finally in the last week was just like, I was like, I just have to say it like I'm done. I don't want to do this forever. This isn't my passion. It's not my dream. And so it has, I've had this like recent, but very big realization that like it has to change. And so right. seeing that you drew the death card, I was just like, you have no idea. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the, uh, the grizzly reaper is mowing. Is right? he not? Um, he's, he's, you gotta prune though. You gotta. You gotta, uh, but, you know, but something significant is happening. Things will change. But I would say, and I do say this as a Virgo rising myself, Virgos are nothing if not very capable people. So whatever this huge shakeup is in your life, I'm sure you will all find a way to handle it with grace and hopefully only a mild stomach ache. Um, and I, I sincerely hope that if something is ending for you, that it is only to make room for something better. Yeah. Well, I just like, it was so spot on. Like when you, when I saw this, I was like, this is 100% like exactly what I'm going through right now. So if I may, my tarot readings are always way better later at night. Hmm. 
and I had pulled that very, very close to midnight, um, which my little hot tip that I think, you know, we're going to kind of end the episode on today is people have different energies at different times of day. Yeah. I'm like a nighttime person. And like my personal energy is very much at its strongest in like the last third or so of the day that I'm awake. Like the first three, two thirds, complete garbage for me. But like nighttime is my right time. And, you know, like I was really in the zone when I pulled this one. So, yeah, it's like, I think it's really important, especially as witches, like you have to get to know what your own rhythm is. Because for me, it's like, Mm -hmm. I need to do tarot and stuff early in the day, because I'm on first thing in the morning. Like, that's when my brain is going. So yeah, so a plus plus, and we are very different in that. Yeah, we are. Takes all kinds, man takes all kinds. So yeah, you know, the (laughs) The bitter end. The bitter We're here. End. Happy Beltane to everyone, though. Happy Beltane, y'all. Um, and also, <laughs> six months. It's been incredible. And I think bless each and every one of you who takes the time to listen. But if you're feeling especially generous, we'd love it if you would hit us up on Instagram at uh, Wands and Fronds Pod. Yeah. Um, give us a follow. Um, check can... out our pics. Sometimes our cats are on there, so that's very fun. Yeah, you can also email um, us at wands and fronds. It's wands and fronds pod at gmail.com. Like, we love hearing from you guys. Like, it's so nice. We've connected with some really, really, really phenomenal witches, and I know there's plenty more that we just haven't met yet, and we love to hear from y'all. And you know, if you email us and, um, you would like to send us a bag of rubies, uh, an invitation to Atlantis. Um, Maybe an invitation to your like authentic Scottish Beltane festival. You know, I, I, I really, I'm gushing about Beltane because I really, really, really want to do a maypole. Right. Ugh, they're so fun. Um. But yeah, so like, so, like and subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever you listen on. Um, if you are on a platform where you can leave reviews, a five-star review is always great. Um, also, just downloading the episode. If nothing else, that is just such an easy way to sort of help us. But, it, you know, also tell a friend. We love, we love word of mouth. Tell a friend about the podcast. We would really appreciate that. Um, like, Help us help you get your friends into our podcast. Yes. There's a podcast wherever you are and for whoever you are. So it's great. I love podcasts. But anyway, I guess until next time, to all the bitches out there. Oh, to all of the beautiful, (laughs) beautiful Beltane bitches with flowers in your hair. Blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Be Fran Fine, don't be CC Babcock. <laughs>